Hey everybody, my name's Paige and I am the Creative Arts Manager at Grace Church Barberton. We are so glad you're listening to our Sunday service podcast. This is the live recording of our Sunday message and we hope you are so encouraged, challenged, and energized by what you hear. Let's jump into our new series, Follow Me, A Journey Through Luke. We're in the midst of a series called Follow Me. We're going to continue that today, but the question I have for you is this. Have you ever been apple picking before? Raise your hands. Apple picking before. Yeah, that's like an Ohio thing, right? It's like a Midwest thing. You go apple picking in the fall. And this last fall, we took my two kids to an apple orchard, okay? And this was kind of our first, first time actually legitimately taking the kids apple picking, right? You can go to the orchard and get the pre-picked bags. This time, we're taking the kids out into the orchard, and so we're all jacked up and excited, right? We get there, and there's just rows and rows of cars, right? It's a nice day out. It's busy. Things are happening. And we walk up to the stands, right? They have the stands out in the middle of all these trees, and you ask for a specific size bag, right? And you pay for it there, right? You don't go picking first. You get the bag, and then you fit as much as you can into the bag, right? You try to see how many apples you can get in there. So we slap down like 10 or 15 bucks. We got this bag, right? And we start going. My kids are all excited, right? They're all thrilled. They're like, we're going to do this. We're going to do that. We're going to the trees. And so they had different aisles of trees that you could go down and pick. And so we're lifting my kids up and picking the trees and uh, picking the apples from the trees. But what was interesting is this, right? Because there's certain trees they could pick, but then there's others they can't. And they would find apples on the grounds. And the apples on the grounds, more times than not, are not good apples, right? They're not great because they have fallen, right, and haven't been picked up. And usually what happens is is some critters, some animals, or bees start to kind of hover around these really nice juicy apples that once looked beautiful but now are just rotten, right? And so all of a sudden, it went from apple picking to be escaping, right? You're like, no, 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 not that pile. No, 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 not that right there. Let's hold you up. Let's get this right. And all of a sudden, we're like, we are now fighting them to not pick the bad apples and to pick the good ones, right? We're trying to make sure that everything is good, everything's fine, and we don't get stung simultaneously, right? This bag of apples that we left with was amazing. But in the process, my kids learned something very important. When you go apple picking or you go any, anywhere fruit picking, right, there is a difference between good apples and bad apples. There's a difference between good fruits and bad fruits, And what's interesting is the passage we're going to look at, it's only two, three verses. Jesus is actually going to tell us the difference between good fruit and bad fruit spiritually and what that means. Here's what he has to say in Luke 6. If we can get that on the screen potentially, there we go. 43 and 44, Jesus says this, no good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruits. What we're going to see today is following Jesus, following Jesus, right? He is going to help us understand the difference between what it looks like to be good tree versus bad tree, what good fruit versus bad fruit looks like inside of our spiritual life. And it may look different than what you and I think. We're in this series called Follow Me, right? Some of the most famous invitations that Jesus gave were those two little words, follow me. 
And as we've been walking through this series, we've just asked the question, what does it mean to follow Jesus? If that's what he's inviting us into, what does it look like? What is the experience? What does that actually mean in my day to day? Where does it start? And we're looking at this and saying in the entire series, who you follow ends up who you become, right? Who you are following tends to be who you become, right? So understanding that follow me is this invitation of identity that leads to activity. It's an invitation for me to ultimately see myself in light of who Jesus sees me and follow him as the Savior, Lord of my life. And out of that, I start to live different. Out of that, I start to live in a whole new way. Today, and if you just jumped in today, we've had six weeks of this, so go back onto our website, check out all of the different weeks that we've been uh, jumping into. But today, this is what we're going to talk about. Following Jesus, it looks like a fruit tree, okay? (laughs) Following Jesus is like a fruit tree, right? You're like, great, how do I apply that today? You'll see, you'll see, it'll all make sense, right? But here's what's interesting. Here's what's interesting. I think Jesus is giving us a beautiful physical illustration of a spiritual reality. That's what Jesus often does. And I love that Jesus uses a fruit tree because you and I, we think about this, whether consciously or subconsciously, we think about this at some level. You and I, maybe daily, weekly, sometimes monthly, think about the fruit that we're producing in our life, right? We think about it. Sometimes it's conscious, right? Sometimes it's, it's planned. Sometimes we think about what we're going to leave behind, where we're going, what we're doing, what our life is giving to and what it's producing. Other times it's subconscious, right? Other times we're just wondering and worrying, am I actually leaving a mark on this world? Is the things that I'm doing, is it actually going to mean something someday, <laughs> Is it actually going to lead to something better? This old kind of phrase that we use, right, in our culture, right? Don't be a bad apple, right? For some of us, we sit here and we're like, that's been my life. You, you, you listen to that first part, what Jesus says, and you're like, I, I'm just a bad apple, right? The fruit that I've left is no good, The fruit that I'm living in or the fruit that I'm producing, it doesn't have anything. It doesn't mean anything. It's not going to leave anything. It's not going to make a mark on the world. I don't know what I'm doing, why I'm here, where I'm supposed to go with all of this. And yet, what Jesus invites us into looks different than what you and I, I think, often think. What Jesus invites us into is something so beautiful and different, and it's only because of who he is and what he's done for us. The fruit that Jesus talks about can only, can only be left and multiplied if he is a part of it. Because the fruit he talks about, it's not morals, it's not some sort of gifting, and it's not some sort of good deeds. The fruit he talks about will leave a bigger and deeper mark on not only your life, but the lives around you. And in Luke 6, we're going to look at what does it mean to follow Jesus and live into it like a fruit tree. So Luke 6, verse 43, we're going to look at that, we're going to start there, and we're going to keep going. If you want to turn your Bibles, Bible app, it'll be on the screen the entire time. Jesus is a master teacher, by the way. 
Jesus, yes, we're talking about him, the Savior. He is the one who has come, the Messiah. He is the Son of God. But he also was a master teacher. And any good teacher knows that what is important must be repeated, right? Any good teacher knows what is important must be repeated. And Jesus does that to a T, right? He does this to a T because this is where we've been. Let me give you a little synopsis. We have looked at Jesus inviting men and women to follow him. And men and women are jumping in and following him. The last two weeks, maybe three weeks, we have looked at what is Jesus saying to us and what it means to actually live day to day following him. And we talked about loving your enemies. We talked about giving the shirt off your back. We talked about not judging. We talked about forgiving. We talked about being generous, right? All of these really good, healthy things that you and I would say, that's exactly what I want in my life and what I want to portray to others. And it's really easy. It's really easy. Listen, listen, it's really easy to completely miss what Jesus is saying and just start doing a bunch of good things. And what can happen is I can look at following Jesus as behavior modification instead of heart transformation. And what Jesus is about to do is he is going to look at what is it about our hearts that needs to change and transform for these things to be the overflow of our lives, not just some behavior I put on so that I can look good. Because here's what Jesus knows. Any teacher that's teaching to a student And a student that wants to listen and obey often is like, just tell me what to do. Just tell me what to do next. And it's really easy for someone like me to sit and say to Jesus, tell me what to do next. Okay, I'll just go do that. Instead of allowing him to change my heart so that I look more and more like him as I go throughout life. And I love what Jesus does. Because I just imagine sitting there, right, And he goes through this litany of really hard things to do on a daily basis, and then he stops. And he starts talking about fruit trees. Listen, have you ever been in a class, and all of a sudden your teacher just kind of goes off on a tangent, and then you come back, and you're like, it all made sense. Jesus kind of does that. So let's listen to what he has to say. Luke 6, 43, 44. No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruits, right? What's interesting to see here is Jesus using a physical illustration to represent, like I said, a spiritual reality. He is circling back to what is important. He is circling back to what he wants them to know and hear and be a part of this entire time. And he would use a tree, a fruit tree, Right? He would say this, first and foremost, a tree is visible by its fruits. A tree is visible by its fruit. It's visible by its fruit. You can know what kind of tree it is based on the fruit it produces. If there are oranges on the tree, probably an orange tree. If there's apples on the tree, it's probably an apple tree, right? When we walked to Ritman Orchards and they said there's apple trees in the back, we were not surprised when we saw apples. And no, we did not see any oranges hanging on the tree, Right? It's pretty identifiable. A tree is visible by its fruit, and the health of the tree is also visible by its fruits, or lack thereof fruits, right? 
You think about the trees that we got to see at Ritman Orchard. The immense amount of fruit that they were producing, there was something going on there, right? And they told us where to go for the healthy trees. They didn't walk us down the road that didn't have the healthy trees, and they were trying to kind of muster up and get back to producing fruit. A tree and its health is revealed by the fruit. The health of the tree, the roots, the soil, the environment play a role in the health of the fruit, but you are only going to know that by the external fruit that's produced and how healthy it is. Oftentimes, right, you and I look at a tree, we wouldn't be able to tell it's unhealthy outside of something telling us that externally. Jesus is saying this is exactly what it looks like spiritually, exactly what it looks like spiritually, right? Be like, spiritually, no fruit, bad tree. Spiritually, bad fruit, bad tree. Spiritually, good fruit, good tree, right? Jesus wants to point to something different because this is what I think he's trying to share in a very physical, very easy, something that you could go home and talk to your kids about illustration is the fruit of your life will show the health of your life, The fruit of your life, the visible fruit of your lives will expose the health of your heart and what is happening at a very deep level. Because here's where he would say, okay, let's break this down. If spiritually, right, a tree, a good tree cannot produce bad fruit and bad tree cannot produce good fruit, what is the fruit that we're looking at, right? What kind of fruit is Jesus talking about? Is he talking about apples and oranges? About cantaloupes and pineapples? No. He's talking about something deeper, the fruit of the heart. And in Galatians 5, Paul writes into this, and he shares with us this idea of what it means to have the fruit of our lives revealed. This is where Paul starts, Galatians 5, 19 through 21. This is what he would say, it looks like to have bad fruit in your life. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God, right? And I read that, and you read that, And my personal response to that is this, great. Because my life looks a lot like that description oftentimes. Hate, dissensions, factions, envy, jealousy, right? All of a sudden it becomes really personal. What is the health of our heart look like when we visibly see the fruit of our life play out? And I read this and I was like, oh boy. And oftentimes, I think we can have one of two responses. On a personal level, we can have one or two responses, right? If you are someone, right, all of us are, that recognize there is bad fruit in my life and maybe it means that there is a bad tree, a a, a heart that is not filled with the life that Jesus offers us. I think there's two responses that often take place. First is bad trees, they try behavior modification. Bad trees, right? Bad trees try behavior modification. Because here's how we would define bad trees. Basically, right, our heart would be full of sin. It would be full of something 
that separates me from God, we would call sin. And basically, sin is making myself God in place of him. That in my heart, I am my own God. I can do my own thing. I can do what I want and live however I want to be instead of allowing him to take that position in my heart. A bad tree can choose behavior modification. Behavior modification in the tree illustration looks like stapling fruit to your tree. I think about it. Think about if we walked to Ritman Orchards, right? And we got our bag and our kids are all excited. And we walked down one of the rows they sent us. And we started picking from these trees. And all of a sudden we start picking and we notice that it's fake fruit. Like those little lemons and limes that people decorate their house with, right? Or apples stuck there. Can you imagine? I'd look at Jess and be like, what are they doing to us? This stuff's fake. I don't want to spend 15 bucks on this stuff. My kid, what are my kids going to think? Dad and mom are cheap. I had to go get the fake fruit. They couldn't afford the real fruit, right? It'd be silly. And here's the reality. We can often do that in our own life. That, that, that you and I, to cover up what's going on in our heart or to cover up the health of that tree, we will staple on really good-looking fruit, but a fake or maybe we'll staple on real fruit, but it doesn't last. Because there's no life coming from the tree to give it any sort of life. There's an author by the name of Paul David Tripp. He would put it this way. The point is that in personal ministry or your personal life, whatever that looks like following Jesus, much of what we do to produce growth and change in ourselves and others is a little more than fruit stapling. It attempts to exchange apples for apples without examining the heart, the root behind the behavior Right? Stapling fruit is behavior modification to hide the fruit or lack thereof in my heart. I'll say it again. Stapling fruit is behavior modification to hide the fact that the fruit in my heart is lacking. It's to hide the fruit or lack thereof in my heart. And I personally, this is the route I take. i be honest with you when things aren't going well, when life doesn't feel great, when I'm responding poorly, when all of a sudden life gets too much, I try as hard as I can to staple fruit to my life so that as long as externally it looks good, then people believe internally it's going okay. When in fact, I'm dying inside. And for some of us, that's where we're at. And I would say the culture and the world gives to that too. The reality is this, is for some of you, you are like, I, my heart isn't in it. It's, it's a bad tree. I have all these things going on in life. I'm a mess. And, and, and I'm trying my hardest to show that I am not that. So I'm gonna staple this fruit. I'm gonna go to church. I'm gonna do this Bible study. I'm gonna be good over here. I'm gonna try all this stuff. And yet, the further you go, the less real it is. The further you go, the less the overflow is. The further you go, the realness of what is happening comes to fruition. That, that's my story. It hit me in college. I grew up as a pastor's kid. I knew all the right answers. Primarily, the answer was Jesus, by the way, in Power Kids, right? I knew all the right answers. had all the right stuff spiritually, I thought I had it all together. I got to college and it wrecked me because 
The reality was I was living as my own God, and then in college, you have a lot of freedom. And to live as your own God with a lot of freedom gives you a lot of long, like, latitude to do that. And I was living and living and living, trying to staple fruit. Well, I went to church on Sunday, so I'm better than they are at least. Or, or, or I, I went to that group, so at least I'm not them. Or, wow, I can't believe they're not doing the things that I'm doing on Sunday mornings. I would staple fruit, and what very clearly happens was it all died. I couldn't sustain it. There was a point where I came to where I'm like, it's got to be deeper than this. It's got to be deeper. There's something off inside of me, but I wasn't willing to examine my heart because I was too scary. Because when we examine our heart, sometimes it's real fuzzy and messy and yucky in there. And yet Jesus wanted me to see something deeper. And for some of us, we might be here and our hearts might need a transformation and yet we just keep trying to staple fruit so I can make it by another week. And Jesus is saying, follow me. It's not about how much fruit you staple. It's about something deeper. But for others of us, right? It's one response. Bad tree can staple fruits. But also, some of us, we're in here, and some of us are like, bad tree will be a bad tree, right? Bad tree will be a bad tree. I guess it's just life. I guess it just is. I've had a mess of a life. I've had circumstances. I've had junk. I've done these things but I just can't seem to get over it. I just can't seem to find it. I just can't seem to fix it. I will never be as good as they are, right? For some of us, we're just like, bad tree will be bad tree, and I guess I'll just live life in light of that. I mean, we're stapling fruit to my tree. We'll just figure this out as we go. And for some of us, we sit there. Find yourself whether you've been coming to church for years or not. I was 20 years into church experience, pastor's kid, when I realized that I was stapling fruit. And there wasn't really anything going on inside of my heart. Jesus is like, slow down. I want to invite you into something different. Because here's the reality. Whether you're stapling fruit or you're just embracing a bad tree will be a bad tree, it's exhausting. It's exhausting. It's exhausting and you can feel the decay, the lostness, the death that is sitting inside of you and you're like, there's gotta be something more but I don't know where it is. And Jesus invites us into that something more because what's beautiful is this. I love that Paul doesn't just tell us what bad fruit looks like. That'd be a very depressing letter, Paul. He tells us what good fruit looks like also. And this is where he goes. Right after that first part of the passage in Galatians 5, he jumps to 22 and 23. And this is what he would say good fruit looks like. He would say this. Now, bear with me. I'm going to explain as we go what he means by this. He would say this, and we know this. Power kids, students, you've memorized this. You sing songs about it. But do we really know what he means by this? But the fruit of the Spirit, which is this good, lush, life-giving fruit, is love, Love is this, selfless giving. It's devoted love to God and others. It is joy. 
Joy is delighting in God and choosing to rejoice in all things. Peace. Peace is a deep well of confidence that God is who he is and he will do what he says that he will do. Patience or forbearance, exhibiting calmness during the midst of stressful situations. Kindness, genuinely, listen, genuinely kind to anyone and everyone, not just putting on a face or stapling fruit, right? Goodness, truly desiring to help others. Faithfulness, dependable in our relationship with God and others. Gentleness, allowing God to deal with others so that we don't have to take matters into our own hands. Self-control, keeping oneself in check. This kind of fruit looks different. And when you look at the two, it's really easy to step back and look and say, uh-oh. Because that's kind of what I did a little bit. I'm like, uh uh-oh, am I just like genuinely loving other people? Am I genuinely kind or do I have to be like, oh, go help that person again? Am I genuinely good? Am I genuinely self-control? Am I genuinely patient? I'm not usually. And I look at this list and I'm like, what is happening and where do I go from here? And listen, eyes up here. You might be sitting here, and this is kind of your first experience of church, or you're newer to church, or you're just exploring church, or maybe you've done church before, and the reason that you are angsty about it all is because you're like, yeah, I've just been told, try better, do harder, pick yourself up by your your bootstraps and let's go, get on loving, get on joying, get on peacing, and you're like, I don't know how to do that. Let me say this, you're welcome here. Because in and of myself, I don't know how to do that well either. In and of myself, I'm not very loving. In and of myself, I'm not very joyful. In and of myself, I'm not very patient. In and of myself, I'm not very kind. And yet, the invitation that Jesus gives us invites us into something more. Maybe you're wondering, I don't know, right? I don't know where I sit. I don't know where I'm at in this list. I'm not even sure what to think about it. I love where Jesus goes, Luke 6. If we hop back to that, verse 45, this is what he says. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Listen, if you want to know the fruit of of your heart. Just look at your words, your actions, your attitudes, right? That's what he's saying. He's like, we don't have to do some crazy spiritual assessment. Let's just get into your house on a Tuesday and let's see what happens there, right? (coughs) Let's just see what takes place when that neighbor asks you to help. And all intentions are, I'm going to go help. But in your mind, you're thinking, why do I have to do this again? And man, they're a bother, man, they stink a little bit, and man, I'm not so sure, right? Jesus would say, you want to know what fruit you're producing? Just take a look at what's coming out. Because what's coming out is just a magnifying glass of what's going on in here. And it isn't always, listen, it isn't always verbalized. I can fruit staple really well. I can make it look like everything's going on great in here and yet absolutely be decaying inside of here. So where do we go from here? 
right? What is Jesus inviting us into when he says, follow me? Is he just telling us to pick ourselves up by our bootstraps, love our enemies, don't judge, right? Be generous, forgive, and we're just gonna try harder and we're just gonna go after it? No, because I think in his circle, he would have had men and women say, let's go then. Let's try to be better. He's like, hold up, wait. Following me is an invitation into heart transformation, not just behavior modification. It's heart transformation, not just behavior modification. You can write that down. Because here's the reality. Jesus wants more for us. He wants more for us. And it starts by seeing that he is better. It starts by seeing that he is more. It starts by seeing that I cannot do it in and of myself. It starts by seeing that he is the savior of the world and I need him before I can ever go out and serve and share what he's done for me. And the reality is this, it starts with the heart. He's going after your heart. He's going after every bit of it and he first and foremost wants you to bring the mess of it to you, to him. Some of us, Right? We come in here and we're like, I got to look good. I got to feel good. I got to present the best of things inside of this environment. He's like, nah, bring your mess. Because if you're willing to bring your mess, I'm willing to bring my transformation. If you're willing to bring your mess, I'm willing to run into your life and save you and be the Messiah that you truly need. So if Jesus invites us into heart transformation, how's that look? A few things to grab onto. And then I just got three kind of application points, okay? First is this, following Jesus is saying yes to Jesus. We use that terminology a lot. Following Jesus is saying yes to Jesus, right? It starts by understanding that God loves me. And when I start at that level and seeing that he cares for me, he loves me, he created me, he created me, I have a purpose and meaning in life to have value, to live this life to the fullest possible with him, I start to understand that I am living separated from him in a way that is less than what he desired. That when you and I come face to face with this invitation of follow me, it starts by understanding that each and every one of us cannot do that in and of ourselves and that there is something going on in our heart that we cannot fix in and of ourselves and it's called sin. And sin starts by deceiving us deceiving us to believe that we are our own God, we are our own captain, we are our own savior, that we can live however we want to live and there's a pride that's built into that. And Jesus wants us to see him in light of that and turn our lives over to him. Because here's the reality, like we said, the words of your mouth, the attitudes of your heart, the thoughts that you have speak what's going on in your hearts. The fruit of your lives reveals the hearts and something needs to be changed. Because here's what's beautiful about saying yes to Jesus. I think oftentimes when we say that, right, some of us, myself included, I think of this like magical moment, right? We're like saying yes to Jesus and like the doves come down, right? And you're running through a field of like lilies and it's just this kind of beautiful scene and everything changes and everything does change. And at the same time, he invites you into something more in this life. 
Everything changes in a flash, but it doesn't mean that everything's going to get easier. It doesn't mean that everything's going to make sense. It doesn't mean that everything's going to kind of drop in place like you think it's going to drop in place because saying yes to Jesus is the most beautiful and baffling thing that we could ever experience. First is because Jesus gives us a new heart. By saying yes to him, everything changes because what we see Jesus do is by his death and his resurrection, he gives us his life. And he identifies on the cross as a sinner with our sin. And he takes our sin onto himself, takes the deadness, the decay, all of the junk that you and I were carrying. He took it into death, defeated it, rose from the grave three days later and said, follow me. Say yes to me as savior because what I've done is I have freed you. I have forgiven you. I have redeemed you. I have, I have rescued you and you can have life with me. And he invites you to say yes to Jesus and when you say yes to Jesus, he says, I'm gonna make your heart new. Make your heart new because I love you and I've chosen you and I've invited you in. We're gonna look at this passage a little bit later, but John 15 is what Jesus says to his disciples. If you wanna throw it up there, 16, 17, you not choose me, but I chose you. That's what I'm saying, God loves you. What about Jesus' invitation to all the disciples is he goes up to them and says, follow me. In that tradition, the student went to the teacher and said, I want to follow you. Jesus is chasing after you. He's inviting you in. He loves you. He says, I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command, love each other. How beautiful is that? He's talking to his disciples, but I think broadly, he's talking to all of his disciples to come. I've chosen you, I love you, I care for you, I want to redeem you, I want to rescue, I want to save you in the mess that you are in, and in that, appoint you to bear fruit, not just some fruit that will take place on this earth, but fruit that will last, that will make an impact here and make an impact for eternity, that what you see happening here, you will be able to celebrate in eternity as well. What the fruit he's talking about, that fruit of the spirit, the love, the joy, the peace, and then he leaves them with love each other, Love each other in that. He gives us a new heart, a heart that is moldable. Ezekiel, it's the second thing I would write down, second, Jesus molds my new heart. Ezekiel 36, 26, and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. I'll remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you the heart of flesh. Here's what I love, is that Jesus gives us new life, he gives us a new heart, and then he says, follow me, because with this new heart, you become moldable to the ways of what it looks like to live as me, to be as me to others, and to produce this kind of fruit that you cannot produce in of yourselves. I think sometimes, right, this is my experience, I said yes to Jesus, and I thought then everything would be perfect, it gets harder because Jesus invites you in and says, I want to change and mold your heart appropriately as we go together. Following Jesus is a journey and a process also. 
Everything changes in a moment. Your eternal status, you get this new heart, you get this new identity, you get this new community, this new mission. And then he says, follow me because I want to mold you in the journey of what it means to actually look like, be like, and be to others as I am. And listen, eyes up here, that journey is not easy. It's just not. Because everything that I once known and once did and once valued, maybe, is now being shifted. And he's telling me to do this, love others, love my enemies, not judge, forgive, to have joy in circumstances that are like awful, to be patient, to be kind to that person. And that is a lifelong journey of allowing Jesus to mold your heart into the image of who he is and to follow him in the process. He's not inviting you to follow him as a perfect product. He's inviting you to follow him on the process of becoming more like him and enjoying eternity with him through that. We need God's grace, not just more good works inside of that. And he's going after radical heart transformation, not just some external behavior modification. So following Jesus is saying yes to Jesus. And for some of us, we've been stapling fruits. You need to say yes to Jesus. I'm gonna follow you. And some of you are like, what does that mean? And I'm like, yes. It means trusting him. It means following him, spending time with him, growing an understanding of what that means. It means giving your life to him and ultimately allowing him to transform your heart instead of just putting on fruit. For others of you, you're like, bad trees will be bad trees. Right? No one can change me. Nothing can fix it. Nothing's going to happen. He's like, it's me. I took on your bad tree. I took it all the way to death so that you could have life. I am the savior that you need. But secondly, following Jesus is being with Jesus. Following Jesus is being with Jesus. John 15, 1 through 4, we've studied this passage a number of times. Jesus is talking to his disciples, gives this illustration of what it means to be a vine and a branch. He would say this, I am the true vine. My father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it would be more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me also as I remain in you, which, listen, is some of the most comforting verses in all of scripture. It's not just try harder come closer. He's like, I'm with you in this process. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Following Jesus is being with Jesus. He uses this word abiding in me, which can be translated remain in me, right, is the words he uses here, or make your home in me. Think about that. Make your home in Jesus. How does a tree Stay healthy, become healthy, grow in health. It is making your home in Jesus. It is planting the roots of your life. He would use here a branch connected to a vine and staying as close as you can because inside of that you will be transformed. And inside of that you'll start to see fruits grow. Follow him, be with him, see what he does. I will never be Jesus to others I will never see these fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control, all of that, kindness, unless I'm spending time with the one who is all of those things. 
unless I'm spending time with the one that gives life to all those things, unless I'm spending time with the one who is transforming my heart to be those things and be those things to others, to stay connected to me, right? There are really simple ways to do that. Reading scripture, praying, being in community, all of those things. But most importantly, are you just spending your time with me? I'll be honest, I'm learning on what that means. There's a song called Abide. It's a great song. But in it, it says, teach me to abide, Father. Like, that's like my prayer right now. I'm like, teach me to abide because I'm a doer. I'd rather staple fruit than allow it to develop in my heart because it's just easier sometimes, right? Like, what does it mean to abide? Teach me to abide. Teach me to remain. Teach me to make my home in your life. Because as you do, this is what he says, the father will garden. He says the father is the gardener and the gardener will transform you. And here's where it gets really hard and yet beautiful at the same time. Jesus uses words like cut and prune. He uses words that you and I, it kind of feels like, ooh, that feels not so much fun. He says, as you abide in me, the father is going to cut and he's going to prune. He's going to cleanse. He's going to make space for growth. He's going to take away where he needs to take away and he's going to lift up into the sun where he needs to lift up in the sun. As you abide in Jesus, the father is going to do the garden work inside of your heart to take away the things, the bad fruit per se, and give to the good fruit. He is going to show you what things need to be cut out of life so that you can add things of Jesus. He is gonna show your heart where you need to lean into more and where you need to lean away from more. He's going to raise things up that need more light and that need to shine and need to be produced and he is going to do the hard work of pruning and cleansing and that process is hard. Because there's things in my life that I hold on to dearly. There's comforts, there's control. There's things that I want and I only want them my way. And he's gonna do the hard work so that I start to produce fruit in a way that looks like Jesus. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and on. The gardener wants to do that work. But lastly, following Jesus is being Jesus to others. As I abide in Jesus, I remain in him, I make my home, I spend time with him, do what he does, be with him, watch him. And then I invite the Father to garden my heart, to till it up, to cut it, to prune it, whatever it looks like. Then he invites me to be to others as he's been to me and to walk in the spirit day in and day out. Galatians 5 would talk about the spirit, the fruit of the spirit, We'll talk about what it looks like to walk in the spirit comparative to walking in the flesh. As I walk in the spirit, if you've said yes to Jesus, the spirit of the living God lives inside of you, is actively working inside of your heart and is present there. And we have a chance to invite him into every moment of every day. That the spirit not only works in our heart, but he works and goes ahead of us inside of our lives. And as I begin to bear fruit, I want to continually walk in the spirit so that I know what opportunities land in front of me, so that I know what spirit-led moments are there. And asking him to lead me so that the fruits of the spirit begins to become evident to all. 
And that's not, not something like, like we think of the spirit and it's like, oh, it's this mystery, it's this magical, this fancy thing. It's for those super spiritual Christians, right? If you said yes to Jesus, you have the spirit. And literally, it is asking the spirit to lead you, to walk with you, to go with you, to reveal to me moments where I need to be corrected and moments that I need to have courage, to reveal to me a comfort that I am a child of God and simultaneously that I get to lavish love onto others and show me those moments. The Spirit is powerful and wants us to live inside of him every single day. It's like you and I put on shoes every day to go walking around town. We invite the Spirit to go walking with us inside of that. I've heard it put this way, that as we go as followers of Christ, invite the Spirit to go with us, abiding in Jesus, praying to the Father to work in us, walking in the Spirit, it's like making the invisible Jesus visible as we go. You imagine if people started not to see just us doing good things, but started to say that looks very different. That's something I don't even recognize. That's something I'm not even sure I know about. That's something that looks so off the wall. It looks different than what the world's giving me. It looks different than what my life's giving me. It is something different. It's this love. It's this joy. It's this peace. It's this patience. What are you talking about? All of a sudden, we get to share with them what Jesus has done in our life and what he invites us into. Here's the reality as we finish. Some of us, we see this Christian journey as a factory, not a fruit tree. Some of us, we may not be followers of Christ, and we've viewed church from the outside looking in, and we're like, it's just monotony. Just crazy. And we see it as a factory where we jump onto the conveyor belt and we do all the things and we add all the things and we piece all the things together. And if I have enough things by the end of my life that I can kind of present to God, then I should be good. We get into this mode of just doing the things, stapling fruits. Some of us, that's why we haven't done church because. We're like, it's just organized religion that wants to get us on the conveyor belt so that we look like them, talk like them, dress like them. Right? Just be real. Some of us are, are dissatisfied with life right now because we're living on the conveyor belt. And you're like, this is all life is? This is it? Like, I'm just going with emotions and we'll just do this good thing sometimes and we'll go to this group and we'll do church every week. We know that's there and sometimes, you know, this goes on and that goes on and we got, we're just kind of doing it. And the fruit of spirit could not feel more distant. And Jesus is inviting you first and foremost to say yes to him because following him is not some factory where we pump out products. It's a process of looking more like our savior and in the process making a difference in those around us. So if you're dissatisfied with life, it may not be the new job, may not be the salary, may not be all the toys, may not be the relationships. It might be that you're lacking your savior and he's inviting you in and you might be like, oh, I'm not so sure, pretty messy background. He's like, bring it, bring it on. I took death and sin to the grave. I can take on your mess. And he's inviting you to say yes to him today. Right? And some of us, that's where we're at. We have been distant maybe because we're trying to figure it out on our own. And he's like, stop, figure it out with me. 
Maybe for others of us, we've been on this journey and we're on the conveyor belt and we want to invite Jesus in and, and ultimately we want to follow him in a way that produces fruit, not just some product, not just some good deed, something different that will leave a mark for eternity. Let me just say three really quick things. Three really quick things. First is, when you invite Jesus to do fruit tree work in your heart, do the heart transformation, you have to be patient. You have to be patient. You'll say yes to Jesus, then you go back to work the next day, and you're like, oh, boy, this loving thing is not easy. Because the same people you worked with the day before are the same people you're going to go back to work the next day. And you're like, oh, that kindness thing, that just doesn't feel great, right? And you'd be like, what's going on? Be patient. It's a process. You know that on average, a fruit tree takes about five to 10 years to actually produce fruit after it's grown. After that seed's planted, after the roots take, after the environment, the soil is worked well, and after sunlight and waters hit it, it still takes about five to 10 years. It's going to take a long while for your life to overflow with the things of Jesus because there is so much to work in the heart of transformation that Jesus is going to do. And it may not feel natural at first, but you keep following him, you keep leading into him, you keep going after him, you keep sitting with him. And then I hope when I'm 60, I look back and I am a different person than I was at 20. That that's, that's the patient process. Now, like all of a sudden, you're going to be able to go to work and like, boom, perfect, right? <laughs> it's a long journey. Secondly, be persistent. Be persistent. You know, be patient and persistent simultaneously. Be patient with the journey. Be persistent to abide in Jesus, to let the Father garden, and to walk with the Spirit. Be persistent about it. Seasons will come and go, and it might look different at every season. Be persistent. Find time. Find energy to give to it. Find moments to be with Jesus, because if he is the savior of our eternity, then I should invite him in to be the savior of my lifestyle and the life that I'm living. Be persistent at being with him. Fight for it. We're all different seasons. It looks different. Fight for it, though, in some way, shape, or form. And then lastly is this, be present. Be present. Be present to Jesus, yes, but be present in the environments that are gonna give to your development. I think sometimes, right, we can come into this setting and we look at back there and it's all, oh, they got groups going on, they got devotionals, they got serving opportunities and we can see it as a conveyor belt. A conveyor belt of things I gotta hop on and hop off of doing we don't see it that way. There are environments that are going to force you to be Jesus to others and to see Jesus differently. When you're in community with others, you start to realize how hard it is to actually love in the way that Jesus invites us to love and it will push you to see that differently. When you serve someone else, it'll force you to learn what it looks like to be kind genuinely that they're environments that foster your heart for the sake of fruit being produced out of it and Jesus working in it. They're not production lines to quickly make you a better Christian. They're environments where fruit is fostered. Following Jesus is not some factory experience. It's a fruit tree journey, and he's inviting you in. 
So as the worship team comes up, Father, we come to you in prayer. Because I know for some of us in here, that bad tree example and illustration is all too real. It's all too personal. It's all too real to my life today. And so, Father, I ask that you would lead inside of this room. Father, would you reveal to each and every one of us your grace and your mercy, what it means to say yes to Jesus, whether we've been in church for 30-some years or 30-some minutes, whatever it may be, Father, would you open our hearts to what it looks like to invite Jesus in? Father, would you grace us with your spirit what it means to see heart transformation take place, not just behavior modification. And Father, I pray for those that maybe are here for the first time, maybe are here or just checking things out, maybe are here and have a pretty rough history with you or with the church. Father, you would soften our hearts this morning. Would you open our hearts to what it means to see Jesus as kind and gentle, as loving and joyful, as patient and generous, and the one that is seeking relationship for me. Father, for others, would you shove us off the conveyor belt per se and give us something better, something more, something life-giving, something that we cannot explain Father, would you open our hearts to where you want to work, not where we think we have it all figured out. You would transform and invite us into something different. And Father, would we be a church that is led by your spirit and would look different to our community? just look like a moose lodge, we wouldn't just look like a club, we wouldn't just look like a bunch of people that gather in a building once a week, that we would look like the trees that produce good fruits, making you visible to others, and would others just stare and ponder upon the beauty of who you are in light of that. So Father, we give this to you, we ask that you would lead and guide Father, we thank you for allowing us to celebrate that together. Pray this in your name. Amen. Thanks for joining us this week. If you'd like to reach out and connect with us or hear more about Grace Church, you can head to barberton.gracechurches.org for more information. We meet in person at 1030 a.m. on Sunday mornings at 629 Wesleyan Avenue in Barberton. Have a great day.